This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. What it is that ISIS is doing in our neighborhood? Uh, because in the last while, we've seen an increasing amount of uh, of attacks, actually, from this ISIS group in Mozambique. So, and and what does that mean for Mozambique? What does that mean for us here in South Africa? What does it mean uh, in ISIS in general around the world? This is what I want to find out. And so we have our military correspondent, who you regularly find on Chai FM. His name is Major David Katz, uh, and he joins us on the line to talk to us today. Hello, David. Uh, how are you doing? Morning, Benji. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. So this issue, it sort of started, there was a little bit of activity, then suddenly some insurgents took over a town in Mozambique, and then they were pushed out. But it seems now that this is becoming a regular deal. Uh, the port town of Mokiboa da Pereira, uh, my apologies to our Portuguese listeners, for the fourth time has been attacked uh, by, by these uh, ISIS-affiliated insurgents. What do we know about what's going on? First of all, I just want to compliment you on your brave uh, attempt at pronouncing that name. I'm not even going to go down that route, so uh, I'm just I'm going to allow you to say the name, and then I'm just going to carry on at the end of the day. Thank you for that, because my Portuguese is not great either. So, all right, so so we now know how not to pronounce it. What what do we know though about it? Okay, look, look it's a very troubled region. Northern Mozambique uh, has has. A history of conflict going back to to the Bush War days, back to the Rhodesian days, uh, where Renama was created by uh, by the Rhodesians as a, as, a, as a a proxy type of counterweight to the Frelimo government. So this area is 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 always been a conflict area at the end of the day, and and politically quite unstable, and very very far away from the center of gravity of where the Mozambique power lies in Maputo. I mean, Mozambique is a huge territory; it's absolutely vast, and especially if you go northwards, um, you're talking thousands of kilometers between Mozambique and right up there north on the Tanzanian border. So the Mozambican control over this area is is patchy to say. To, to, to say the least, um, so the so the area is also subject to to different influences from different people. It's also predominantly Muslim area at the end of the day, and of course, uh, organisations such as ISIS are going to use an opportunity where they see government is weak, where they see a Muslim uh, a poor Muslim uh, population that's come from a very very troubled politically past. This is fertile breeding ground for them to get involved, and this is exactly what's happening. They're coming in and. Uh, in, in many, many regions, they are the de facto government in the absence of the Mozambique government. And Mozambique is in a lot of trouble with this type of thing because it's, uh, there's, there's a problem with him trying to get control over this area. Now, uh, what additionally seems to be fueling this is that uh, although it's a, a poor area, they've recently discovered a bunch of uh, natural gas. And that also seems to have been fueling uh, the sure. interest of groups like ISIS in, in this particular region. Now, of course, there's going to be eco there's going to be economic incentives all over. Mozambique has got huge gas fields all along the coast. It's a it's 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 a very very uh, mineral rich country. It's an agriculturally rich country. It's just I mean they they haven't deployed their assets properly to take advantage. So it's it's a poor country economically, but it's got a rich mineral resource. Uh, it's fertile, and obviously it's a great it's a great uh, breeding ground for dissent. And uh, people taking advantage of, of 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 a weak government and that type of thing. So yes, there's that, there's that economic uh, incentive also, uh, where you get separate movements 
up in the north, uh, maybe trying to take advantage of uh, of the gas fields and that type of thing. So there's all these different things at play that, of course, a organisation like ISIL will be interested in taking advantage of. I mean, it's also interesting that you talk about uh, the intersection there between the fact that there is a religious difference in that area of Mozambique, but also a political difference that stems back to the the civil war in that country. Certainly, uh, so, yeah, so that's, yeah. there's there's like a fusing of 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 both elements uh, in in a sort of up against the central government of Mozambique. Well, absolutely. Uh, 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 the, the problem is, is that the seeds that were sown back in the in in in, the, in this in the early seventies with the creation of Renamo uh, have come back. Uh, the chickens have come back to roost because the South African government and the Rhodesians did an all too well good job of destabilizing that area, and uh, it's remained destabilized for decades after they've pulled out and 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 and, and things have been normalized. So uh, they managed to they managed to de-link. Uh, the central government, the central Mozambique government from the northern area, and I don't know if the, Mozamb- if the Mozambique government has ever been successful in reclaiming that area again. It's uh, it's been run by Renamo for years and years, and I mean I think they're also losing their grip on it at the end of the day. So yeah, it's just a very unstable area, and of course, as you've identified, you've got the religious differences also. You've got a Muslim community over there, and uh, it's just a political divide, an economic divide. Um, yeah, there's a lot of issues there that people can take advantage of. Nefarious elements can take advantage of. Now, what's very disturbing as well uh, is that the, the you know the Mozambican government itself uh, it doesn't seem to have the capacity uh, to actually reclaim this particular area. Reports that I'm seeing today, uh, Peter Fabricius, who writes in the Daily Maverick on on a, a variety of issues, is talking about uh, helicopter gunships flown by South African private military companies leading counterattacks against the insurgents, which is kind of a textbook way in some respects how not to deal with these sorts of insurgencies because it tends to stack up civilian lives and, and lend some sort of support to, to grassroots, um, grassroots sympathy for these kind of groups. Oh, look, I mean, you're talking sort of like an executive outcomes type solution that was very, very successful, by the way, in Nigeria against uh, Boko Haram. Uh, the Nigerian army was unable to sort of deploy its assets into those areas and, and, and quell the uprising. And in came executive outcomes, and uh, they had an immediate effect on the area. Uh, as soon as they left again, the, the, the vacuum was filled. So you see, that's what the problem is. I've no doubt that that these uh, mercenaries... Uh, can uh, are, are very effective, but they're not. They're not going to be there forever. There's got to be some type of a political solution. With all these type of things, there has to be a political solution. So once once the, the the mercenaries pull out and they get paid and they leave the, 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 they leave the area, um, the vacuum's going to be filled again. There needs to be a proper proper political. Uh, a settlement. There needs to be an economic settlement. You've got to go to the underlying root causes of what the problem is up there. And I say it's, it's, it's a difficult one to put the finger on. I've, I've alluded to some of it. And all these issues have to be solved in a final solution to, to find a, a, a way forward in these areas to get a, some type of a political settlement. So for the immediate the, the immediacy of the, of, of, of the issue, it's great to deploy these mercenaries who, who will take control and give the government some type of control over the area, but it's not a long-term solution. I mean, I stress that. It's not. And and the issue of civilian casualties, because it doesn't sound like there's any actual ground troops going in. Uh, they just seem to be shooting at people from the air, which 
you know, it hasn't really worked that well in places like Afghanistan and uh, I suppose uh, even uh, Iraq and uh, other parts of the Middle East. Uh, is there a need to, to control the territory on the ground? Well, certainly, I think, look, I, I believe that. I mean, that, that was a major problem with Vietnam. If you take Vietnam as a, a case point, where the, the Americans just didn't have enough manpower to put boots on the ground everywhere. So territory that they would conquer on the Monday and vacate on the Tuesday would be, would be, uh, would be taken up by the enemy on the Wednesday and they would have to repeat the whole process over and over again. So they, they changed their whole methodology Instead of uh, uh, looking for, at a persisting strategy where they would conquer territory and hold the territory like the British did here during the Boer War, they actually tried to hold the territory, they decided, no, they're going to go for headcounts and they're just going to, they're going to see, okay, we've lost one soldier against their 20, so therefore on an attritional basis we're going to win this type of war. So there's, and that's why the Americans lost that war, because they couldn't hold the territory. And it's exactly the same here. Air forces are a force multiplier, but you've still got to put boots on the ground. Uh, you've, you've got to have some type of combined arms warfare where, where you've got your infantry, your artillery and, and, and your air force all working in conjunction to, to, to pacify an area. You can't just have the air force going in and shooting up a couple of villages and civilians and hope to have an effect, a long-term effect. As we've seen in Afghanistan and other places, it doesn't work. You've got to hold and occupy that territory. If you're not prepared to do that, which is, comes at great cost to the soldiers who are, are operating there, then you shouldn't be there in the first place. Another interesting aspect which, which seems to have been picked up in this article is that they're talking about these insurgents who, you know, typically with ISIS you have people that take over a town and then they leave. Uh, but, but they're also saying that they seem to be accessing more conventional weapons. They're talking about uh, Kaipo uh, recoilless guns and 82mm uh, mortars. So it starts to look a little bit more like the, the Civil War uh, uh, from a few decades ago and, and, and less just like a a sort of uh, a bunch of randos uh, who are who are melting into the bush. Well, certainly, when we look at asymmetrical warfare, which this is what it is, is where you've got a, a small force that's coming up against an organized governmental force. They're going to use asymmetrical devices in order to, uh, to, to overcome the enemy. And one of those devices is a raiding strategy. So they will go in and take over a village and cause trouble there and uh, get rid of all the dissenters and that type of thing and will try and win people over to their cause and even recruitment drives. So they will go in. And, and recruit soldiers for their cause. And they're not going to stay there because they know they're going to be over, overwhelmed with air power and that type of thing. So it's called a raiding strategy. So they'll go in, they'll raid, they'll raid government convoys to get arms and weapons and uniforms and that type of thing and, and, and then leave. And once that raiding strategy becomes very, very successful and more and more of the population come over to, 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 to their cause, uh, they, they turn over to a persisting strategy. In other words, they try and hold the territory that, uh, that, that they've conquered. And this is exactly what happened, uh, in Syria, where ISIL, uh, formed that caliphate and, uh, actually held, held territory. They went over from a, a, a pure raiding strategy into a persisting strategy. And they set up, uh, held the ground, put boots on the ground, held that ground, and, uh, and, and turned over into, into a conventional force. Major David Katz, uh, excuse me, about uh, about insurgency in Mozambique on 101.9 High FM. Uh, Major, I want to turn the attention now to South Africa just for a mm. little bit. Uh, you know, we, uh, we supposedly offered help, uh, at some stage to Mozambique, but I don't know if there's been any progress on that. Uh, wh where do you think South Africa is sitting on this issue? 
Well, well, let's let's have a look where South Africa stands in it. First of all, uh, believe it or not, we are the regional superpower in in Southern Africa, and we have as as a regional superpower, we have certain duties towards the area, and uh, we are supposed to be projecting our power and our influence northward uh, because of our status, and we have commitments to uh, peacekeeping, and we have uh, commitments to peace enforcement. And I suppose this would have been a type of a peace enforcement operation that we had undertaken. So we have commitments in those areas. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you shouldn't be surprised to see the South African army deployed in such a situation because we've had that in the DRC. We've had it in Burundi. We've had it in Sudan. So uh, it's not something, anything new. I just wonder whether we, at this stage, given the, uh, the, 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 the economic situation that we're in, whether we have the political will or the economic will or the military power to actually get involved in a very, very messy situation far, far away from home. Um, that's what I'm wondering. So I don't know if it's progressed. I think we do have certain commitments, and uh, I just wonder if it's wise or if we're even able to fulfill them. Uh, the other side of the coin, you know, uh, there have been uh, potential terrorist uh, attacks that have been foiled on on our soil against uh, various targets uh, in the past, but but in general we're not seen as a hotspot for for terror targets. If we get involved there as, as a South African army or whatever, do we put ourselves at risk for for potential attacks in terms of uh, in, in terms of this particular issue? Well, I think the question that you're asking, I think it's, there's two different things that you're asking here. Let's look at let's look at home first. I mean, would a deployment to northern Mozambique against sort of a, a, a Muslim-type uh, insurgency going on there, be divisive back at home. And we have a history of divisiveness back at home here. When we invaded German South East Africa in 1914, 1915, that totally divided this country between Afrikaner and Englishmen. And we have we have those problems here. We, we are quite a divided society, and uh, the, the, the fissures start to appear once we take Positions that are unpopular with certain segments of the of of the uh, of, of of our population. So we have to be very very careful with these type of deployments that we are not offending people back at home. Um, I think the second part of what you're saying to me is whether we are going to have the capability of of uh, of of making a difference up there, and I think that's important. It's the same as when we deploy to the township back here in uh, in Cape Town. I said it was a risk because if we if we weren't successful, what's the next step? What happens after that? So we put the army into in, in, into the Cape Flats, hoping to quell all the troubles over there and support the police. And if it doesn't work, where to then? I mean, we've got a problem because the army is always the last resort. And it's the same now in northern Mozambique. If we go and deploy there and we're not successful, it's go, it's it's going to create more problems. Yeah, certainly I think that uh, it may very well uh, just do that. So we will probably have to be calling on you again, Major, to give us uh, insight into what is going on uh, there in uh, in Mozambique because it does look like it's going to be a developing issue that is going to be affecting our, our regional politics. But uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving us your perspective and your expertise on this issue. My pleasure.